Welcome to the Access VFX podcast, pursuing inclusion, diversity, awareness and opportunity in VFX, animation and games industries. Hi, I'm Simon Devereaux, founder and director of Access VFX, bringing the visual effects animation and games industry together, working towards a shared goal to make our industry more diverse and inclusive by taking action rather than just talking about it. Hello, I'm Simon, founder and director of Access VFX, and welcome to season two, episode 24 of the Access VFX podcast. On this episode, we announce and celebrate the launch of our brand new Access VFX chapter, Access VFX Europe. As you listen to this podcast, if you are based in the Netherlands, Germany, Spain, France, Italy, Belgium, Denmark, or Sweden, you can sign up to be a mentee or an industry mentor at accessvfx.org forward slash mentors. So, to tackle the big 20 questions, on this episode, we meet Access VFX Europe co-chairs, Caroline Garrett from Netflix and Chris Kaiser from Glassworks. We had such a brilliant conversation around what has driven the need for a European AVFX chapter, the importance of a strong e-mentoring arm and the potential of a launch event in Amsterdam coming soon. So, of course, we opened the vault and got into so many wonderful discussions that cover everything from growing up in very different parts of the world, a shared love for inception, storytelling, collaborating with great crews and doing your research. Anyway, as always, that's enough of my chat. Stop what you're doing and listen to this European special of the Access VFX podcast. Hello, it's me, Simon, and welcome to a very special episode of the Access VFX podcast, season two, episode 24. In this episode, we're opening the Access VFX vault for a special announcement with no more than two guests taking on the big 20 questions. The reason for this double header episode is that our guests are the new co-chairs of Access VFX Europe, our new chapter supporting aspiring VFX animation and games talent across the Netherlands, Germany, Spain, France, Italy, Belgium, Denmark, and Sweden. And let's not forget the rest of the world. So in no particular order, our first co-chair is a VFX titan who has been in the industry for 25 years, who as well as co-founding Fuzzy Goat Limited has worked at facilities such as Mill Film, Passion Pictures, and CineSight on some seriously iconic shows, such as Avengers, Infinity War, and Endgame. Fantastic Beasts, Bond movies, Harry Potter movies and loads more in roles that have included senior CG artist, CG manager, head of production, head of VFX and now director of VFX EMEA for Netflix. Joining her, we have a production heavyweight, our second co-chair with nearly 20 years of skin in the game. Starting out at DNA Productions back in 2003 and putting in work at New York based facilities such as Leica, Charlex, Click3x, PSYOP and The Mill across a range of production positions that have included executive producer, head of production and now chief operating officer. Is that correct, Chris? Or is it COO at Glassworks? I always forget what that stands for. We're mm-hmm. going to go with COO. We can explain later. Both now living and working in Amsterdam. It's only Caroline Garrett from Netflix and Chris Kaiser from Glassworks. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, Caroline and Chris. How are you? Very good, thank you. Happy to be here. Hello, glad to be here. 
Good, good to have you both. So uh, the idea of Access VFX Europe isn't just a kind of whimsical idea to do some good stuff in Europe. Um, Chris, I know you've been driving the need for Access VFX to have a presence in Europe for over almost two years now. And it's been a personal passion of yours to finally get it over the line and, and be having this podcast conversation now. And Caroline, without Netflix coming on board to sponsor the e-mentoring safeguarding legals across eight European countries, literally this chapter could not exist. As we know, any chapter has to go hand in hand with a real like rock star e-mentoring program that uh, is a jewel in the crown where we're able to connect people to industry. So, so proud to have both of you on board leading the charge. And my first question on the pod before we open the doors is... Why do this? Why kick off a chapter? Why have another Access Fear chapter among all the other good work that we're doing? Thanks, Simon. Yeah, we're really just thrilled to be uh, at this stage in the process and, uh, you know, having, having really kind of been targeting this for, for some time after, uh, after we first signed up to join Access mm-hmm. VFX out of the UK and uh, being based here in, in the Netherlands and looking at, you know, kind of a lack of opportunity and, and uh, organizations to to really tap into the young talent and, and find uh, ways to to bridge the gap with uh, with with the need uh, for for resources and and uh, our you know real strong interest to 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 find uh, the next generation of of artists and talent and, and people to introduce the, the the VFX world to. I mean, it's it's really just been kind of a long road and and happy that we we finally got to this stage and. And really couldn't have done it, you know, without the support of, of, of Caroline and the team at Netflix and, and getting uh, the financing for the, the mentorship up and going, which, which really, you know, seems to be the great starting point for any, any new chapter of Access Absolutely. Yeah, Caroline, what, brought, what, what was the kind of uh, the catalyst that brought um, Netflix on board then? I think this is, I mean, this has always been something that's been close to my heart. I, I, uh, I can think of so many people that helped me on my own journey and, and without them, I I wouldn't have got to where I am. And I know that there are people that don't have that same opportunity and that that becomes a barrier for people. Um, Now is an unprecedented time. There is, um, there are so many people making so much content um, and the need for visual effects talent is just ever increasing. Um, so to to offer up the opportunity to get into this amazing industry to more people um, and help them on that journey is, uh, I think, now is now is the time when when there are jobs available for them to to get into. I mean, there's never been more work, has there? I mean, I've only been in industry for ten years, give or take. It's uh, yeah, it's uh, I, you just have a look at the shows that are on on TV now. The the appetite for large visual effects shows is is clearly high um I, you know if you look at things like um rings of power and house of dragons there's there's clearly an audience for the the type of work that visual effects artists can do and even the simpler stuff there's more and more of it the invisible stuff um it's everywhere absolutely and it's not just the work is it both of you i mean the, the every almost every five minutes there seems to be a new facility opening in europe somewhere i mean we've i've seen it with you know there's you know, the mill, for example, opened in Berlin a few years ago. You know, there's obviously, you know, work the Glassworks are doing, Netflix are doing. Um, it's hap- you know, every every day there seems to be a more of a presence in Europe, which obviously begs the need to connect with the talent that's out there and, and raise awareness. To, uh, how kind of visible are careers in visual effects, animation and games in, in Europe, do you think? I think that people are getting aware of it. Um, this 
uh, the pandemic also opened up some doors for people. Um, there is no longer the same uh, boundaries. Um, you don't have to move to London or Canada or the States to work in visual effects. And that has then um, allowed people to see that there is there is this opportunity to, to work in this industry. And as, as a result, then companies are springing up all across Europe um, and offering that, that kind of opportunity to people that couldn't necessarily relocate. And uh, but yes, there's, there's just That's more and really more. Exciting. There's certain hotspots in, in different parts of Europe that I think have, have been there for some time. And, and, uh, and yet I think that it's growing and that, yeah, like, like Caroline mentioned, the, the, the barrier of entry for being located in a certain area has, mm-hmm. has come down. So both facilities and individuals and, and even training programs and schools, I think, have, have become more accessible to people in different parts uh, of, of the world and, mm-hmm. and Europe and you know, the EU as a whole kind of being this, this, this area of, of free movement. Um, it, it's always been a, a great way for, for people from different countries and languages mm-hmm. to come together and, and collaborate. And I, it's nice to see the, the sort of technology and, and capabilities and, and openness to remote working um, be, be mm-hmm. even, an even greater connector for everyone globally. Cool. Yeah. So there's there's lots of lots of great opportunities there. Then, like you say, there's the the hybrid piece going on, which is really exciting. And I mean, I've loved watching the kind of the developments that have happened in industry around remote work and where you get your talent from. You don't have to live down the road or be in commutable distance. You've got obviously the war for talent because there's so much content out there and through kind of you know episodic content through streaming and films and the whole anything visual these days. Commercial work it's crazy. Um, and then there's the, the diversity piece as well, right? It's about creating those opportunities for people who don't, don't know it exists and, the, and, and Europe is ripe for that with the, the emergence of those, those studios. I mean, I guess my, my next question is the, uh, the call to action now because now we've got a, a, a brand shiny new chapter in, in Europe and the, the, the mentoring program is ready to go, isn't it? I mean, it's literally sitting there waiting for industry mentors to sign up to connect with aspiring talent and for people globally so just because it's a european chapter doesn't mean that european mentors can't mentor folk all over the world right to your point around hybrid working is that is that fair to say and uh, have you got any plans around that call to action in terms of the studios you're going to target in europe yeah i i guess from from my side of things i you know my immediate call to action is well first to any any individuals or companies that are already part of access vfx that are listening to to, to jump in and, you know, if you have a, a presence in Europe, if you have a location here uh, to already maybe reach out to me and, and start, um, you know, tapping into what our, our upcoming plans are and, and sort of making yourself available to, to participate and, and get more of your uh, individuals and, and, and teams uh, signed up to be mentors. I think that's kind of the, the first, first step. Uh, and then, and then beyond that, you know, we'll, we'll be looking to each, each of those uh, facilities that have a presence in any country to, to really then kind of begin drilling down into uh, local uh, up and coming talent and, and finding ways to tap into, you know, uh, universities and, and, and high school aged uh, students and, and start to expand that uh, really as far as, uh, yeah, awareness about Access VFX, you know, drive up you know, the, the numbers, both in the mentors and the mentees that are based 
in Europe, since that is really kind of the, the legality as far as uh, 18 and up within those eight countries, you know, we can now now support people signing up in those in those areas uh, to be mentees, but the mentors can can come from anywhere. So that's that's what's amazing about the platform and being able to to pair people from different parts of the world. But, you know, also to me, the idea of, of people that might be in a certain country that speak a certain language um, now have that opportunity to speak to someone um, that also speaks that language. And, and to be able to offer that up, maybe even to people that are in other countries that um, speak languages and are looking for uh, mentors that, that can, can talk about, you know, the, the, the artistry or the technology um, in their native tongue. I think that's pretty that's amazing. Awesome. And yeah, you're right. I mean, actually, this is our first chapter where it's non-English speaking folk. I mean, yes, of course, we've got a massive European contingent in our, our studios across the world. But actually having a chapter in Europe that, don't, that doesn't speak English is is incredible really because it just creates more accessibility arguably more inclusion because uh, you're going to have a lot more european language being spoke across across the pond because the the whole vision for the the, the e-mentoring program is to connect somebody in belgium to somebody in australia or you know you've got this real like what this glue that connects the, the community together globally so it makes absolute sense to have a presence in europe right we, we're also um we Netflix is obviously connected to a, a lot of vendors in countries all across Europe and beyond. And really the, the call to action for us is is to spread this word, the impact that mentoring can have. Um, these companies are, are looking to grow their, their talent pool and um, mentoring is is one of the key ways that they can help solve that challenge. So really, the for us, it's getting the word out that this the access VFX exists and it um, is there to sort of help them uh, in building up that that talent pool, but also the the rewarding experience of of being a mentor and and how you can learn as a as a mentor, you can learn from from your mentee. And I think that that's um, something that will will help um, the senior talent across all of these companies to 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 be able to take that learning back to their company and and help their companies um, uh, to grow and improve as a result. Brilliant. Now I'm very excited to see the uh, the chapter grow and and as you both said, you're we're at the uh, the early the early stages of uh, of launch so uh, long may this continue it's, it's very exciting and i'm very well aware of the, the different partners that you both work with in your respective uh, organizations so uh, yeah we've got a few folk on board already through the the membership as you know we have a little slack channel with the existing members so i'm afraid they don't they don't get away with not forming part of the uh, the new chapter but i think there's a real opportunity for anybody listening to uh, to get involved and, and connect with you both or connect with myself and uh, and join the team because there's a lot of work to do and it's not just mentoring right i know we've talked about a, a launch event at some point in the future i know chris we touched on that a little while ago yeah we're hoping to host an event locally here in amsterdam um together with netflix and get some of the the local net, net netherlands uh the effects community uh, engaged and and help you know solidify the foundation of our of our roots of the European chapter here. Uh, and of course, we welcome anyone else to, to come and join us for a, a little party in the dam. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think it's, it's, it's also then starting to look, look beyond that and, and look at some of the upcoming events. I mean, FMX, you know, in Germany is always a great event, uh, be a great place to, 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 you know, set up a booth and, and be able to, 
you know, again, kind of spread the word and get get more companies to to sign up and join join the efforts of Access VFX and knowing that it is all you know a passion of ours and and, and work on top of the the day job, but something that that can be so rewarding and something that we want to really see some results from from our efforts and the great work that you do, Simon, with with the organization to to bring in the next crop and and yeah to to tap into people that, that don't even know that that you know, this can be a career and a, and a legitimate opportunity, whether you're a technical person or an artist or producer or coordinator or any other aspect of, of the industry. Amazing. Amazing. Well, if anybody's listening, and I'll, I always do the recap at the end of the episode, it's uh, accessvfx.org forward slash mentors. You can sign up wherever you are in the big eight European countries and whatever you do, whatever discipline, right? So your point, Chris, it's not just creatives and producers it's people who work in marketing people who work in finance people who work in hr and all of those kind of supportive functions as well so it's really really exciting and i can't thank you both enough for for leading that charge in in europe so are you ready to get into the vault i think people are keen to find out more about you both um we've never opened the vault for two people this i don't know how this is going to go it's already been a madcap recording with all of our technical difficulties earlier so we're going to go with it and then we're going to see what happens so in no particular order, I might go, I might start with Caroline. Um, and I know you're both in, in Amsterdam, but uh, I'd love to hear more about where you both grew up. You know, where are you both from? Tell me about the formative years. Perhaps start with you, Caroline. Um, it's complicated. Uh, my, I'm an expat kid. My father was a civil engineer, so we moved around a lot. Um, the short answer is I was born in Kent, um, raised in Hertfordshire, um, but I lived in Indonesia for long enough that I feel like that's where I actually wow. grew up and developed an Australian accent, which took me two <laughs> years with to share. accent. But yeah, I love that. Wow. Really eclectic. So Kent, Hertfordshire, Indonesia, now the dam. So what about you, Chris? Yeah. So I uh, was born and raised in Dallas, Texas. Uh, if we were recording a week ago, I, I was actually there. So I was going to be it both in Dallas and from Dallas, but, uh, Made it back to Amsterdam uh, this week. Uh, my my journeys, uh, yeah, uh, kind of bounced from Dallas uh, out west to Portland, uh, where I was at Leica for a little bit, and then uh, New York for about 12 years. And uh, about four years ago, made the move over here to Amsterdam. Uh, so that's kind of been a bit of a journey, and and yeah, kind of felt the felt the calling to keep moving and check out some new places, and feel fortunate to have kind of been able to do that through my through my career and, and journey through through the world of VFX and features and TV and and uh, a lot of uh, commercial you know in the last uh, awesome. plus years. So you've both been on various trajectories globally but you've both landed in in Amsterdam uh, very different to Indonesia very different to, to New York I mean how are you both finding living in uh, a, well it's a lovely lovely town in Amsterdam I mean I've only been once many many years ago I had a few messy nights there back in the day. But uh, how are you finding? How are you finding the the, the city? Is it a city? Amsterdam it is, isn't it? I love it. I, <laughs> a city it is, town. It is a city. <laughs> I love it's it. Same thing. It's a big village. <laughs> it's yeah. It's wonderful. I love it here. It's great. Yeah. Good. Good people. Good place. Very. Very international, and and of course welcoming of 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 expats and people that, you know, they, of course they speak English, uh, better mm -hmm. than any other non-native English speaking country in the world. So, uh, there's, there's been no challenge with that. And, uh, yeah, it's, um, 
it is small. I mean, it, it ultimately is a pretty, pretty little town and quaint with the canals and you often feel like you're living in a fairy tale. Um, but it's uh, the, the location and proximity and access to other parts of Europe and the world. Cool. It's, it's, it's hard to beat. Living in a fairy tale describes it well. I like, like a that. Hans Christian Andersen tale. Okay, Mark, I can picture it now. I picture it now. Yeah, I'm sure it's not the same in your respective studios, though. Um, so what inspires you? I'm not inspired. I'm getting ahead of myself. So it's the three words. It's my favorite question in the uh, the, the vault, which is um, the three words that describe you. So some people choose a three-word sentence. Some people choose just three powerful words. Uh, Chris, what are your three? What, what, desc- what three words describe you? Oh, goodness. Uh, I went with three C words. I don't know if that's because of, oh. of, of my first name or not, but I went with uh, curious, caring, and cordial. Oh, I like that. The three C's of Chris Kaiser. <laughs> I was going to say friendly, but, you know, the C, C, three C's of Chris Kaiser. Chris, oh, and Chris, Chris is a word of that. could be four C's. You, you are Chris, a Chris. But yeah, curious, caring, and cordial. I'm going to come back to that. Caroline, what are your three? Let's see if we can uh, draw some parallels. Um, I went with uh, passionate, supportive, and geeky. That. which none of them have a C. Yeah, yeah. PS, PSG doesn't quite. <laughs> Despite the Caroline. <laughs> Caroline, yeah. You can have a C on. at the top as well. <laughs> we, should have, we should have hooked up before. Yeah, you shared you share the letter. But yeah, interesting. So we've got curious, caring and cordial. So uh, curious, I think, is a great one. I think we should always be curious, particularly with our, the work we do and making sure we're always asking questions and always challenging the norm. I'm assuming that's where you're coming from, Chris. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, I think so. I, I think I think it's been a, a taste of curiosity that's that's helped, yeah, lead me into this weird career that I had no idea really when I was going to film school and thought I'd you know do something else entirely, and then got into CG and VFX and all that. Um, and it's also what's what's led me to keep looking uh, further afield and and yeah, a curiosity that brought me to Europe when I. Certainly a kid in Texas doesn't really mm. think they're ever going to leave the state. It's a healthy so. dose of curiosity. And then the caring piece, um, is, is that about, is that a broad character trait for you, Chris? Or are we talking more about care for your team or care for the work? I mean, where does caring come from? I, th- I think about more of the, the care for my team. And and I think, you know, as uh, coming up more as a producer and really, I mean, yeah, I guess you, you kind of touched on it too. It, it is caring about the, the work and the project and, and and really a lot about the people that are that are making it happen uh, and those around you and, and not not only working towards a common goal but but making sure that everyone is is you know being taken care of in the process and given given the support they need and the tools that that they need to be able to to get the job done and to you know also have a have a life outside of of doing that work Interesting, which also has a lovely little segue to your the s in your psg um acronym uh, caroline which is supportive which they kind of go hand in hand there's a lovely little crossover with your your three words is that fair to say anything you want to add to that caroline um the supportive bit for me is that this it's uh it's always a team effort and um and, and my my job has put me in many different positions but it's always been a collaborative uh, experience so whether it's looking after people that um, um, I'm a manager of or assisting people who are more senior than myself um, it's, it's sort of part of uh, my DNA to to 
offer um, guidance and help people whenever I possibly yeah, I can. That. You could have used collaborative for if you wanted to see. I could have had an extra C, um, but it's fine. It's all good. We'll go with supportive. <laughs> okay. So looping back to Chris, your third, your third C was cordial. I love that. We've never had cordial. It makes you sound like a kind of refined kind of English gent, kind of opening doors and, you know, putting kind of handkerchiefs <laughs> over puzzles and stuff. But yeah, cordial, is that? Is it that yeah. just you being a, just a yeah, decent human being? That. Well, you wanted three Cs. It's up to you. I mean, I... Yeah, I just well, I was just trying to find a word with another letter C, really. But no, I, I mean, it, I think it is a bit of that. It, it, it's the um, yeah, it, it's about in a way creating creating a good atmosphere and and knowing that that comes through my own actions um, and really trying as best I can to enter into the, the a, a space, a, a project, a challenge you know, with, with a positive attitude and, and finding the, finding a way to, to come together and, and, you know, do, do things in a happy and nice and friendly environment. You know, I, I just, I think that it's so easy in particularly in this industry that is a lot of high pressure to, to get bogged down in that and to, to take out those pressures on other people. And, you know, at the end of the day, we're all just, you know, we're in this because we, we want to be, you know, here, you know, working on, good projects with people that we like and I don't see a lot of space for for having members of your team that that aren't showing up with with a smile or with a you know can do attitude which is an amazing segue into Caroline's P for passionate which is how does your passion Caroline and manifest itself at Netflix um it's 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 the reason why I'm here I, I I love I love our industry I love what we do I love storytelling I love it's just it's um this is this is such an amazing uh thing to do as a as a job and i in, i enjoy being part of that um it's uh, I, I can't really imagine not having a passion for this stuff it's what drives me it's what gets me out of bed in the morning it's what keeps me going it's um this is yeah storytelling and entertainment is is the thing that you do after you've built the fire and you found the shelter you then tell each other stories and it's really is fundamental to to who we are as as people that's great yeah we've talked on the pod we've talked about storytelling a lot in relation to the work we do right because yeah Yeah. i mean it's it's that's that's that's, visual effects is just one bit of of um expressing um a, a, a story telling a tale um it's there are obviously many elements to it uh, but uh, visual effects allows you to create um, uh, a moment that doesn't exist in reality even if that's just like stood on top of a snowy mountain you know so that moves us neatly into your your final uh, letter there which is geeky caroline which again probably again is a nice probably link to passionate we've talked about supportive already but yeah where's the geeky piece come from well, the geeky is actually kind of ties a bit to Chris's curious. Um, I um, I enjoy finding out the detail of things, and I, I can um, I will pursue sort of um, relentlessly and trying to understand how things work. And that's really that's sort of I think that's why um, visual effects was a fit for me. Um, I, uh, I I mean it goes to to all 
simple areas of life. I want to know, you know, how does the car work and why does this button on the remote not do the thing I expected? And, you know, it's, I mean, it's, it's kind of, I, I enjoy the technical aspects of, of life and how things function, whether mechanical or digital or whatever. And, and that um, I'm, I'm always interested in learning more about these things. Um, so yes, I, I consider that to be That's a great. I love trade. that, and I love how you brought it right back to Chris's first C. It's this sort of lovely ecosystem happening here with your your your, your words that describe your respective selves. That's very good. Very good start. Strong start, both of you. So you talked about what gets you out of bed in the morning, uh, Caroline, which is kind of the next question, which I did tease earlier because I uh, almost skipped the last one, which is what inspires you? So uh, is there anything in addition to what you've talked about already that really genuinely does get you out of bed in the morning? Is it just storytelling or is there more, is there more to it? Um, I'd say that there's that storytelling was mm. one of my answers yeah. to this thing. Absolutely. Uh, the other one is um, people that have pride in their work. Yeah. That inspires me. So um, anybody that just um, loves what they do and strives to do it the best mm -hmm. possible way that they can. And again, that's not just limited to visual effects. They get inspired by someone that makes pottery, but really cares about yeah. it and tries to do it well. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good human trait. Um, yeah, they really uh, take that kind of yes. pride in what they, what they put out there for sure. And what about you, Chris? What, what inspires you? Yeah, I think my mind went to a similar direction it's really I'm inspired by people all the time and it can be any anyone at any part of our our work experience that a lot of times it's people I work with and, and I see the raw talent or, or their curiosity or interest and, and particularly I, I think not being a you know a, a tech, technically a creative person or be able to generate you know, artistic imagery with, with my hand when I, when I see somebody that, that can do something uh, seemingly simply, um, it's always just amazing to me. And, and it's, it's sort of a constant reminder of, of how full of talent, you know, this world is. And, and you know, I, I think it's, I, I appreciate that we all bring something different to the table in terms of our, our own creativity, our own uh, ability to contribute. Um, and so I think that's, that's it. You know, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be the most senior, most talented person in the group, but somebody that shows up and, and does their job and puts some of themselves into it in, in whichever, you know, capacity that is. I think that's what, what I take a lot of inspiration from and, and brings me You mentioned, you mentioned work experience earlier. I mean, I've often been really blown away by the, the interns and the apprentices and the, the work experience folks that come through studio doors and they're here for a couple of weeks and they absolutely blow you away with the, what they've learned because there's so much content out there that you learn on YouTube and there's free software that you can download and flex your muscles with. And it's amazing what, what talked about barrier to entry earlier, like what portfolios people are building already for fun that don't even apply it to a career. They're just doing it because they get a kick out of it a lot of the time. So we're moving into the extraterrestrial question now. Uh, explain what you do uh, for a living to an alien. So you get the knock on the door. I've been watching quite a lot of Halloween related movies at the moment. So lots of dark alien stuff. So I'm hopefully, hopefully you get one of the nice ones. You get an E.T. or you get a, you know, a lovely friendly alien with the, you know, yeah, little green man who turns up. How do you explain what you do? I'll let you, you workshop it together as we have to. I don't know who wants to start. I'm going to throw it out there. Oh, it's pretty hard to explain what I oh, do to a human. Let no, alone no, an you alien. can almost transfer it. Explain what you do to your mum and dad. <laughs> I, I ended up, I, I, I thought about this long and hard when you said you were going to ask this question. 
and try to put it into a succinct sentence, and se- which was, I help storytellers tell their stories by ensuring they're working with the best visual magicians Ooh, available. I like visual magicians. We've had that. We've had magicians before. I love it. I love it when we throw that in. Can you better that, Chris? Let's get a bit of healthy competition now with the, the European co-chairs. No, I mean, I definitely can't. I can't beat that, but I, I, it was right along the same idea, right? It was sort of, on, on, in our world, we tell each other stories through moving pictures. And in order to make those pictures, I help bring together different people that can do different things to make that, that a reality and help present that idea or tell that story to okay. someone else. I love how you've really lent into the uh, meeting the alien thing. I can picture you sitting around that kind of campfire now going, in our world, we tell stories. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. I hope you come in peace. <laughs> Lovely. But you've both, in all seriousness. We've, we've figured out a way to talk to Yeah, there's no language. Yes. <laughs> Just drawing <laughs> pictures. Uh, but I love that. I love that. And you've both talked about storytelling. I love that we've got this theme of storytelling now because it's something that I can wax lyrical about for forever you know i love the 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 craft of storytelling what it means the whole world is deeply rooted in stories it's what we we're doing on the podcast now you'll be telling stories about the next question which is what you wanted to be when you grew up um but you know that's what it's all about right what makes us human so i think um you're both absolutely on the money so it's a draw you both got you both equally get the right answer there so what did you want to be when you grow up Uh, carolyn what what was the career aspiration when you were coming up in uh in kent back in the day um so the first thing I wanted to be was an astronaut. The second thing I wanted to be was a vet. Then I wanted to be a map maker, okay. so a cartographer. And then basically anything in film that wasn't an actor. <laughs> that's where I, that's when I started on okay, a proper, a proper route. job route. Yeah, so still wanted to get credits, but maybe not the, uh, the upfront ones. Funny enough, uh, think back to the very first thing a uh, little Chris thought he might want to be and I'm pretty sure it was a race oh, car yeah. driver you're, you're uh, both rocking the stereotypes here and then and then that pivoted yeah Is well right? I mean astronaut race car driver go fast go far uh and then uh the thing that I narrowed in on was wanting to be an actor no way so the exact opposite for you Caroline I started <laughs> thinking I wanted to be an actor until I until I went so far as to get a degree doing it, and then and then realized, wow, okay, now I want to be anything but an actor, and uh, yeah, then I then I then I turned towards maybe trying to uh, be a director, or DOP, or something, and uh, and then and then yeah, stumbled into this world of animation and CG, and never looked back at the you know at the live action production side of things. And, I like the way things are done in post and figured I'd stick on that side. I love that. And uh, both astronaut and race car driver would have been great characters you could have played as an actor. Because, you know, no shortage of race car drivers and uh, astronauts in our respective uh, shows. So uh, lovely link there, both. I love it. I love it. And uh, yeah, if it's any consolation, I used to want to be an actor as well, way, way back. I remember watching all those, ho- you know, those old Hollywood movies where they had all the credits at the start and it would take about half an hour for the credits to roll and then the film would start. And I used to think, wouldn't it be cool to have my name in one of those? I did a few drama classes and, yeah, classic Simon Dever. I gave up on that and moved on to whatever whatever came next, next shiny thing to uh, to chase after. Um, so a bit about college years, both of you. You know, what made you choose the uh, 
the college or university you ended up going to, if you indeed went to university or college. I've not done a huge amount of research ahead of this podcast, as you can tell. So I'm going to go in blind. Uh, Chris, tell us a bit about your your, your choices. Well, uh, yeah, again, it was on that, that actor tip when I when I thought I wanted to be in front of the camera there. Uh, I, you know, growing up in Dallas, um, I mean, the University of Texas is where I always assumed I would end up. It's where my whole family went, and I, you know, I bleed burnt orange, hook 'em horns, all that. Um, but I, I kind of, you know, that curiosity, I guess, struck me early, and I was, I was looking, looking to get out of Texas and find some other place to go, and ended up narrowing in on uh, the next state over in New Mexico, and I found a great program in Santa Fe uh, there. Um, at a school that no longer exists, so don't don't go looking it up now. But um, sadly, it, it was it did not survive uh, some of the tough years there. But it was College of Santa Fe at the time, and then became the Santa Fe University of Art and Design. Uh, so that's that's kind of I, I yeah, it was a combination of wanting to get out of Texas and and be kind of closer to nature and stuff, which you know Santa Fe is beautiful, and I love sort of hiking and nature and kind of found the balance in those things. And then they also had an amazing film mm-hmm. program. It's, terrific studios where at the time they were uh i think they filmed the wild wild west out there when i was when i was going to school so there were there were some big vfx jobs uh, in my periphery even even at that time santa fe so from santa fe to uh caroline where did you go to college from santa fe to st albans where where i went to college and i went there because it was just around the corner from where i was um I I didn't really know what I wanted to 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 do with this random selection of A levels that I had got myself. Um, so out of the uh, art, geography, law, mm-hmm. and physics, I chose art. Um, and then when art, so then at that course, I had a tutor who recommended I uh, take a degree at um, oh, Luton. Luton of all places, which was also just around the corner. Um, so it wasn't really it wasn't the adventurous astronaut in me um, or the expat kid I was basically staying closer to home Um, and funnily enough although the course might not have been the thing that I would have chosen in hindsight it gave me a a great opportunity because my tutor there was the one that then hooked me up okay we're going to talk about big break shortly but uh, I'm quite interested that you both did a kind of art and design kind of qualification route which is interesting so I imagine, I mean, I did an art course years ago at Loughborough University and um, it was very much a kind of sandbox kind of deal where you just go in and you kind of just almost decide what you're good at and where your strengths lie. And, and is that fair to say that was my experience where you got to kind of play around a bit with just the idea of creativity and a creative career? Yeah, it's it's, um, it's the first sort of opportunity that um, I had to really sort of explore um, where yeah. the education might then meet uh, a job um, I'd had sort of part-time yeah. jobs, so I knew what it was like to, to work, but um, it offered it did it, it gave you something different. I mean, three years of basically playing. Was, yeah, uh, over the days. It's good over fun. The days. Um, so that actually leads into we should maybe build on that, Caroline, and talk about your break. And I'm, I mean, that first job might not necessarily. I'm assuming it would be your big break. The question is, what would you consider to be uh, your break in industry? Um, would that be the break in industry? Yeah, it was. It was exactly that. It was my my tutor knew someone that was uh, looking for runners um, in Shepparton Studios to work on Lost in Space. Um, Not the original TV show. (laughs) The the, the Matt LeBlanc vehicle, (laughs) as I remember. Um, 
Yeah. The Matt LeBlanc one. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I was one of three people that was interviewed for the job. Um, they were impressed that I had attempted to do some animation, um, though not entirely successfully. Um, it was at least in 1997. Mm. And it's not an easy thing to do. So um, that, that got me in the door. And that's something really cool in that in that yeah, we've talked uh, about this on the podcast a lot where it's like create something like even in this day and age you know when you apply for a job just build something create something have an idea you know flex your whatever your skills are um so i don't think that's changed over the over the last yeah i guess what 25 years since you got your your big break caroline um but i think that's a really really good point that you raise hmm. no, it's, it's, it's the same if you show if you show some kind of uh, creativity and um uh, and produce something that's that's it's always mm. uh, it's a sign of what you're potentially capable of doesn't necessarily have to be the most polished but it demonstrates yeah, that passion that, you know what we talked about earlier like that curiosity that passion that you both spoke to you know wanting mm. to do something not just kind of going hey can i get a, have a job please you know gives a job so i think that's great that's really nice so uh chris what was your first break what was your big industry breaker or what you would consider to be your industry break yeah it was it was right after i graduated and i was ended up back in Dallas, living at home uh, before I got married and uh, ended up with uh, a job at DNA Productions, which happened to be where they produced uh, Jimmy Neutron, both the, the original feature film and the, the animated series on Nickelodeon. And that was sort of a matter of, of just, you know, looking at what is happening where, where I was and being interested in tapping into any kind of production jobs out there. And uh, sure enough, they were in season two of, of, of Jimmy Neutron, and I was able to go in there and get a job as a PA, you know, just doing runner type type duties, answering phones, getting food, making copies, all the classics. Uh, and yeah, really, you know, found an amazing crew of people there and small family kind of atmosphere um, doing this great work in the middle of Texas, which was, you know, really kind of unheard of. Uh, so that was that was an amazing opportunity, and like I said, I had no idea about animation. I mean, sure, mm-hmm. big fan of cartoons growing up, and watched all the Pixar movies, but had no idea uh, really kind of that their career there were career paths within it, uh, or that I would end up finding my path there, and and you know, kind of coming up through uh, being a PA and then a coordinator, and and tapping into some of those uh, you know skills as just organization and communication, yeah. and, and finding out that I could. I can make it make a path that way. For yeah, me. there's a, a lot in that, uh, and I'd love to talk about the kind of I hate using the term soft skills, but those behavioural skills are so important for industry as well. Not just the kind of, you know, it talks about kind of the the, the craft skills that you, you mentioned, Caroline, around animate being a, an animator or being being a CG specialist. So I think they kind of go hand in hand. But what I'm really interested in is both of your first shows were kind of space related. Is that fair to say? Jimmy Neutron was an old school kind of little space guy. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. This is meant to be. I mean, this is uh, this is written, literally written in the stars. You know, astronaut. I mean, oh, I tell you, my mind is getting blown right here, folks. Um, but building on, uh, you talked about working with an amazing crew, Chris. And the next question is your favorite job, your favorite show, your favorite project. What was the, your favorite? Looking back over your your career, um, maybe start with Chris. Yeah, I, I still look back to that first gig at, at DNA and working on Jimmy Neutron, and that was pretty amazing. Um, such a such a unique opportunity and and it's definitely right up there as far as experiences and to be it was in that time where you could work with people and and on a show for three or four years um and and not 
you know, ultimately they came to an end the same way a lot of those future projects do where you wrap the show and there's not something else to go on and everybody just scatters to the wind. Um, so that was the tough part of that. But I think, I think that from an overall experience was, was really amazing. And then, you know, if I got a, if I have to call out another project that I'm particularly proud of that I was a part of, um, it actually has a Netflix connection. It was, uh, it was just, just before I left New York, I was able to work on the Ballad oh, of Buster Scruggs. Yeah, I saw that on your um, Cohen Brothers project. We did, we did a sequence. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, talk about inspiring and, and, you know, working with, with your, your dream, um, partners to, to sit in a room with the Coen brothers. I mean, really it's, it, it will be forever the highlight of, of my career. I mean, absolutely to see such talented people and see their interest and attention to detail down to the, the shape of this, of the antlers on a CG deer that we were making, you know, it is wild. And, and sometimes you're like, okay, is this really what we need to be focusing on? <laughs> but you, you really kind of recognize why they are such amazing filmmakers because they care that much about every single piece that goes into the, yeah. the story. Yeah, it goes back to what we said earlier about being inspired by people that, you know, not just great teams, but people who really take pride in what they do and, you know, you know love what they do. What, what sequence did you work on on Buster Scruggs? Cause I do love that movie have a little bit of a personal fanboy moment here. Yeah, it was, it was, uh, it was the one with, uh, uh, Tom Waits, oh, uh, yeah. as the, the digger, uh, yeah, with, with, uh, several different sort of CG animals coming out as butterflies and minnows yes. and this, the deer kind of played a very specific awesome. role. In awesome. That. Love that movie. Thank you. And again, the whole idea of just crew people, right? So what about you, Caroline? What were your, what's your big favorite? What's the, over your, your career? What stands out? Um, it would have to be Casino Royale. Oh, okay. um, I was I worked on it when uh, when I was at Fuzzy Goat, so this is this is was this was a big deal because it was um, my own company and we were yeah. working on a Bond film, which you know I'd done before, but it was pretty cool. Um, it's an amazing film. the The team on it were great. There was some proper tricky problem solving in it. Um, we did. Um, I worked on it from previs all the way through wow. to comping some shots myself. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was. It was one of those great projects where all of the pieces fit well, and then at the end of it, you've got something that people enjoy watching. So it was. That was a. That was definitely, it's definitely a, my favourite of the Daniel Craig's. That one. I remember seeing it and thinking, yes. "This is, yeah, that fight in the toilet at the start. Nice, brilliant, black and white, proper dirty scrapping. <laughs> None of this kind of Piers Brosnan." flying well invisible cars and you know straightening this tie in a tank you know it's just proper get stuck in i loved it yeah anyway sorry i yeah this I season i've been fanboying a lot you know we had uh, del walker from naughty dog on the last episode and yeah this one as well so i'm going to rein it in because uh i'm aware i've got a few more questions to get through so, so thank you for sharing those those shows folks what about um one that stands out as probably a really challenging job this question used to be the worst job we changed it because we like to be positive on the podcast what was a challenge what, what really stretched you uh, caroline maybe you take this one um this would be uh avengers uh, infinity wars um it was uh the shot turnover was delayed the volume of work doubled um the yeah. team was exhausted the quality bar is very high um and although it was one of the most challenging few months of of my working life 
at the end of it yeah. it was amazing um the team that i was working with was stunning they produced amazing stuff they really they they went above and beyond and, and delivered something that was fantastic um it was you know it was pretty yeah. grueling experience but ultimately it was uh, it was a great sort of bonding moment yeah. for everybody Did, involved. i mean the, again the team gets you through these particularly challenging jobs don't they i mean what what uh, what yes. what was the learning you took away from that job anything that you you almost took away as that i'll never let x happen again or you know <laughs> um I think that well, I, don't, I the learning that I took away from it, I then applied to uh, Endgame and 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 it didn't work. So I'm not sure. I, <laughs> I'm not sure because it was all sort of uh, planned but better for n- knowing that these things can escalate, that time frames shift and shot counts can increase, but yeah. you can never predict the future. So it was, um, although I tried to plan for it on the, on the next one, it didn't quite work out the way that um, I had hoped. Uh, I think maybe the learning is uh, expect the unexpected. Yeah, I think that's a great, a great learning. And uh, yeah, I mentioned it on every podcast, there's usually a good t-shirt slogan on every podcast and that's the winner so far. We'll review it at the end of the podcast, Caroline, but thank you for sharing that. What about you, Chris? What what, what job stretched you? What challenged you? Um, I mean, I, I, I want to I tell a highlight on a, on a great project, but I think I think if I'm really going to say the worst, challenging, most challenging, challenging whatever experience that was challenging it would be it would be very early in my experience producing in new york and uh coming into uh, a long bank holiday weekend uh and the typical terrible thing at, at that point in my career which was going in on a friday morning and effectively not leaving until tuesday uh it it, it was one of those three overnighters in a four-night span just miserable waiting on CG renders that were never coming with the client sitting behind you and the owner of the company yeah. on your other shoulder and uh, really just absolutely miserable. Um, and it was, it was Labor Day oh, weekend okay. in the States, which has given me a whole, whole new definition so of a different, of Labor different Day. kind of long weekend for you. Yeah. And I, I carry that with me. I think, I think there's things I learned from it and there's things that, that, since experiencing that, I've always looked to avoid, you know, for my own career and for, for all the people to work, work with me or for me, yeah. that it's just, it's not, it's, it's, there's no, there's no world where that is, yeah. is okay, you know, and there's no, there's no reason to do that, whatever the deadline, whatever the client, whatever the budget, it's, it's unacceptable. And it's, it's really one of the reasons that I feel so passionate about, you know, trying to change, change the, okay. the way that we do things and, and bring up new people with a different different idea of, of how we yeah. can get stuff done and do it right. I definitely sense that with it. the next generation coming through as well. I mean, our industry has been notorious for kind of unacceptable working hours. And you literally, like you say, you go in on a Thursday or Friday and then two months later, you kind of emerge kind of, you know, battle torn. Um, and I think there's a, a lot, a lot of change happening in industry. Um, not perfect yet, is it? But we're getting there and I think uh, we can work with, the next generation coming up to take a bit of control back on that, I think. I think it's really important. 
Um, so we're going to get into the geeky section now. Uh, Caroline, this is one of your three words, so I'm expecting big things. Um, so for the geek section, quick fire, if, if you don't mind. But what is, who is your VFX hero? So you can, you can translate this in any way you like. It can be somebody you've worked with or it can be someone who you put on a pedestal in industry. Um, but uh, Caroline, who do you consider to be a, a hero of yours in the industry? Um, there's a man called John Grant. Um, he was, he's from the previous generation of, of visual effects oh, cool. before digital um i worked with him fairly briefly when i first got into the industry and he offered um uh that sort of in, inspiration and um uh, encouragement that really that, that that helped me in those in those early days amazing yeah. person um we even have a john grant appreciation oh, whatsapp group <laughs> get on that share the stories that's great i love that you know nice one john grant and what about you chris who do you consider to be a hero well, i'd i'd jump in that uh pre-digital effects uh on that on that bandwagon and uh throw a ray oh, harryhausen yes. out as a, as a not not ray harryhausen's uh, first appearance on the pod so it's good to have him back i'm sure i'm sure i'm not original with that but we 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 were fortunate enough to have him come through uh the uh, oh, dna awesome. studios in dallas one time and meet the legend like that was was really incredible and so that 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 tactical original old school execution i mean it's still still the best and the most inspiring love thing that. love that two great examples so what is the best shot you've ever seen this can be a vfx shot or a piece of animation what is the best and this is the, this is the tough i no, i hate this question i feel bad for even writing it down on paper and asking it so many times over the last 24 episodes but i'm going to ask it and chris i'm going to start with you because i can see caroline really procrastinating <laughs> so chris you're going first what <laughs> is uh, your best shot or piece of animation and you don't have to have worked on it it's just something you consider to be up there. Uh, no i i mean i i uh yeah I, I i it's definitely not something i've worked on i mean i've worked on a lot of amazing things and i great appreciation for that but uh, obviously i think the marvel world still still has pretty much taken the cake on most of the advanced uh technological and beautiful shots ever created and having uh being a part of visual effects society and being able to watch all the screeners and breakdowns every year i feel like i'm constantly blown away and inspired through that uh but yeah i, I think it, I, I was the one that i thought of from the last few years was uh in shang chi and the um uh, the, the 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 dragon sequence where it comes up out of the water and it's flying like it, it's just one of those that yeah that is there's so much going on but it's so well choreographed and executed that uh yeah it's still it still kind of sits at the top for me in recent recent memories of, of crazy oh, effects for example shamefully i still haven't seen shang chi and it's somebody else mentioned it on a podcast i said i'll go and watch it as my podcast homework and have not done so so i'll make sure i do that and check out um the whole film not just the uh, in isolation shots but thank you chris for sharing that caroline what's your favorite this is just it's almost impossible to answer this question there's the the first thing that sprung to mind so i kind of went with it was um I'm I'm particularly in love with the um the sandworm oh, shot yeah. in June. I I I love the composition. I I love the the tone of of that um film and it's particularly sort of 
um, I don't know, impactful moment. Um, it's, uh, I, I don't know, it's not exactly this, it, maybe it's not a standalone thing as mm. that we've seen many uh, big creatures, but it's, I, I really like the design of it. Um, I did have a second thing though, which is not recent and not necessarily the the best looking thing ever. But it was that the um, the bullet time fight sequence yeah. in the first Matrix. Um, it's still uh, that was one of the like oh wow visual effects can really twist and warp reality. So that kind of um, in terms of what it it did for me, I think that will that will never really be surpassed. If I could add one other historical one that I recently saw a breakdown of, uh, Flight of the Navigator. Oh, wow. Remember that movie and yeah, that, that spaceship? The, there's some very cool uh, making of clips online from that that I recently came across. And I forgot that was, I mean, as a kid watching that and being blown away and so much of that, again, was kind of a practical uh, approach to, to those effects and early, mm -hmm. early, you know, CG execution. But that's a great shout. And I think all of it's this... It's worth a rewatch, I think. Oh, I've not seen that film in years, but I, I completely agree that, you know, despite it being practical effects, it helps that the story's good as well and you've kind of got that kind of meeting of the two because um, so many of those old movies, some of them don't stand up as well, but some of them absolutely do still, those real practical effects movies, particularly the science fiction of, of yesteryear. Uh, again, I won't go into my love for Robocop, which is a uh, the original Robocop because I think you may have you worked on the... Uh, the, the remake Caroline which I'm, I'm not going to get into on this podcast race or subject um but I'm going to move swiftly swiftly into um the pinnacle of the art form question so now it's a show that stands out as what you would consider to be a VFX masterclass what would it be again it goes back to the alien thing what show would you show an alien to go this is what we do I'm gonna jump in and say Inception Ooh, we, we had that on the last one oh, episode. Damn it! Yes. No, <laughs> you oh, can't believe it. Any other film, man, you can't steal my answer. Because <laughs> you're so in sync now, <laughs> co-chairs. You know, wow. <laughs> okay, okay. So, Chris, I'm sorry, but Chris, he, he stepped in. That's he gets to take Inception. Um, yeah, amazing, amazing. I mean, the whole city folding in on itself. We can have the same one. You can. You we can. can have I mean, the same this one. is a co, yeah, a, a, a double header, as I said. So if you both want to answer Inception, you're very welcome to, Caroline. Yes, I do. Good, I stick good. By my so you should. Bit. So you absolutely should. And the final question I've got on the geeky section is what if for you, and I'll start with you this time, Caroline, unless Chris beats you to it again, is the character design. What is the greatest character realized for you across? the whole gambit of vfx animation and games um so i went with grogu Ooh, okay. <laughs> because <laughs> because he got uh so much attention um and maybe just because he's cute baby yoda but uh it was i think it was realized well love that and i know it's a puppet so i love the puppets so. though i didn't like it when they did yoda cg in the prequels i like it when they brought the puppet back you know i still love a puppet Cool. Great, great answer, by the way. Uh, Chris, what about you? Well, I felt obligated to mention Jimmy Neutron, but, you know, that's, that's, that's a great uh, I don't think he's actually what I would say is the best character ever. Uh, when I think about animated movies, um, I actually go to uh, Toothless from How to Train Your Dragon. Oh, okay. You know, such a cute and expressive and to, to express so much without, you know, much verbal, I think, especially. It's super cool. 
love both of those answers. Two non-humans, which is always good when we get to characters. So I'm going to segue now into the final kind of uh, ten or six questions, I think it is. No, it's five questions, which are all based around advice. And, you know, we've done geeky. We've done formative years growing up. We've plugged Access VFX Europe. Um, what's the best piece of advice you've ever received? You've all talked about heroes and people you've worked with, but give me that one nice nugget you've received from someone. Um, it's a bit deep, but uh, don't be don't be defined by the things that you worry about. If you are uncertain about um, where you're headed or what you're doing, um, the angst of that can be a distraction, um, and essentially you should focus on the things that you can do and your passions and and all of that and and not dwell on the things that might hold you back if you're if you focus on the negative it doesn't drive you forward thank you caroline and chris advice what you got Uh, i went with the oldie but a goodie and just always be prepared yeah so that's that's advice that i got from my dad pretty early on i'm going to give him a shout for that uh, obviously the whole boy scout I was motto say, or whatever always related to that too yeah exactly uh, but i i really really connected to my early learnings becoming a producer and um some some of my mentors in, in the industry really hammering into me how important it is to to do your homework do your research you know have all your 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 ducks in a row and have all of, all of the project information at hand and ready to to reference at, on a moment's notice, um, I think that was for me uh, as a producer the the kind of biggest thing that I learned and, and learned because I didn't have all that information at one point during a project and and was embarrassed in front of a large group of people as a result. Which again, I'm not saying that's the right way to to you know hammer into somebody the need to keep their 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 stuff in order. Um, but it was ultimately something that, that is a lesson I carried with me and have, have told other people often, don't don't get caught with your pants down effectively yeah. <laughs> because you don't have, you know, the, the delivery date or the spec or the contact information for that key person that you need to get a hold of in the right, especially the most stressful part of the project. Yeah. So um, anticipating everything, isn't it? Almost like you said earlier, Caroline, you know, the expect the unexpected, you know, anything, any avenue can go down mm-hmm. always be prepared like any good uh, boy scout i love it thank you chris so uh, i've now have the imposter syndrome question which I'll, I'll throw out to both of you um have you ever felt out of your depth or that you're faking it till you make it yes once um i was i had just been promoted to head of production and um it was very different to my previous role because um before i used to have a, mm-hmm. a deliverable I would have a thing that I was working towards or tasks that I would have to perform. And, and this doesn't have that role didn't have any of that. Um, And I had this strange feeling that I couldn't really explain what it was. And I was um, talking to a friend at work about it described this, this odd sensation. And she's like, Oh honey, (laughs) that's called imposter syndrome. So then I had to Google it to find out um, what that meant. Um, and it's it, uh, essentially having identified it, I was able to just sort yeah. of park it to one side and 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 get on with um, just doing what I needed to do on a day to day basis. Uh, yeah, 
No, yeah. it's, it's, it's a it is a leveler, isn't it? But it's also it kind of it grounds you. I've said it on every podcast. It grounds you a bit of imposter syndrome sometimes, isn't it? But it's good you googled it. I've never had anybody Google it, so that's good that you were you did your research. You know, <laughs> a, bit, a bit of Chris Kaiser going on there. What about you, Chris? Uh, tell us about you. Do you do you suffer from occasional imposter syndrome? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think coming into my current role, you know, yeah. I, I, I took over as COO in the midst of the pandemic with remote you know, crew all scattered around. And I don't know, I think as much as I've worked with and for some amazing leaders uh, in all the organizations I've, I've been across, I think when suddenly I was thrown into that position and, and uh, didn't quite know what my version of that, of that role would be um, and, and having to really trust my team and, and, you know, uh, assume that I would, I would be, respected and, and yeah. welcome to, to, to take on that, that position. It was, it was tough. And I, yeah, I, I think that it's a kind of a natural feeling to question how, how capable I am of, of doing my job. And I think that that's also what keeps me a bit honest and earnest and curious to, to, to do go. better. Yeah. The three C's coming back. Exactly. No, I completely agree with both of you. So if you could both go back in time, so to, to coin another 80s cliche, get in your DeLorean, uh, travel back in time to meet your teenage selves, what advice would you give that teenage version of yourself, Caroline? So I was trying to think of something profound that I would say, but I don't really have many regrets. Despite every attempt yeah. to derail my career, I seem to have done okay so I wouldn't really want to go into the mm -hmm. DeLorean and mess that up so I ended up with something not profound which was oh, nice. buy some shares that's, and that's I would have a list <laughs> exactly get the old almanac there's an almanac buy some shares in these companies yeah all right good I like that yeah yeah invest I love that get the old nest egg growing what about you Chris you go back and meet you on Chris Kaiser down in Dallas that was really kind of the same direction I was going with you know, being being a bit uh, smarter about learning how to how to manage your own finances and avoid some of the early bad decisions that were made. I mean, uh, and, and and getting getting some help or listening to parents or other people that were willing to to give you that strong advice about how to be smart and save money and do things early enough in your career that that you don't have to have such stress about it as you as you make your way up the ladder going forward yeah, we should have had you both on our cost of living episode this is great advice i mean, I mean we can't do a lot about going back in time but it's uh be good for our, our younger listeners out there who are kind of uh, dealing with some of the you know in all seriousness the uh the cost of living crisis is happening right now so yeah that's really great advice i'm glad you both went for a financial option because the rest is just trust the process right in terms of the like you said caroline having no regrets about the the squiggly career is you've just got to trust the process right trust in that mm -hmm. We're going to move into a very similar question, which is not necessarily advice for your younger self, but what you wish you'd known, apart from share options, what you wish you'd known uh, when you were coming up, when you were starting out. Um, I wish I had known that I wasn't going to spend my entire career in a film studio and taken more advantage of that. It was an amazing environment to be in, and I was surrounded yeah. by people with... A, a whole range of skills um, that were also some of them fleeting. Um, there was so much knowledge to tap into, and I wish I had had done yeah. so more while I was there. I enjoyed it, but yeah, I wish yeah. I had done you more. You forget how much access you have in a studio, don't you? 
particularly as a, a when you're when you're running or you're in those yeah. early stages of your career. How about you, Chris? I think I would uh, want to tell my younger self to be prepared for the level of stress and anxiety that that does come with this industry and and the types of roles, particularly that that I've landed in over the years. Um, and, and I guess not just to kind of be prepared to be stressed out a lot of the time, but also to be smart about balancing, you know, work and life and, and finding outlets that are healthy to, uh, to step away from work and to uh, take care of yourself, you know, uh, personally in order to, you know, continue to, to find joy in, in the work that you do and, and and to be able to be present for the your team and the people that you're working on projects with as you go. That's great. I like that. And actually, that, that's a real nice link to the next question, uh, which is what would you change about the industry? Cause you talked about kind of, you know, almost being prepared, wishing you were more prepared for some of the, the stresses and the challenges of, uh, of, of industry and the roles that you've had. So what would you change about the industry if you had a magic wand um, right now? Yeah, I mean, it's easy to, to keep harping on the kind of work-life balance and deadlines and those things. Um, you know, I, I think there's some of that, that that will never change. And I think I think I think what would be what, what I'd like to see change maybe is even a little bit of the landscape and the way that we uh, compete. Um, yeah. You know, on this side of things, I, I think it's it's been. Kind of refreshing in a way in the last couple of years to see more opportunity to collaborate with other companies or people that historically would be competitors and it's a lot a lot of it's through you know features and things like that where you've naturally had to overlap with other studios and and have these these little handshake moments so i think you know the the thing i'd like to change is often more in relation to the the commercial uh, side of the industry and and how we're forced to compete and and drive down you know rates and prices to the lowest you know possible amounts and that is you know aside from everybody rising up and saying we're we've, we've had enough you know yeah. the cost of living is going up and you know rates for for talent has increased um, I'd like to see just the way the game is played you know change and have more transparency and for people to come come to companies like us and say here's here's my request and here's the, the money I have for it and I'd like to work with you can you work with us on on these details and yeah. when those opportunities have come up it's been the most rewarding kind of project because it starts from a level of trust and transparency uh, that are the type of people I'd like to be working with all the time yeah it's almost like a the classic win-win negotiation where everybody's on the same page rather than a combative you know competitive situation where there's usually a loser at some point so i think there's some really really key points there thank mm. you chris what about you caroline what would you change about the industry i mean on a similar vein um but i i think it i would really love for those that aren't in visual effects but who are in the um film and uh, tv industry to have a better understanding of what visual effects is to the to the point of of understanding that it's not it's not just a button that you press that there are artists creating things and um that there's a human behind the machine and that it takes time um i think an appreciation and a a better understanding of what's involved in in creating visual effects would would really help um kind of head towards the thing that uh chris is 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 talking about 
Um, I think, um, unfortunately, the although I used the term magicians earlier, I think that's mm. that's not really helped us in the past. Work, it's, yeah. it's you know you go away and you do your magic, um, but uh, I think it would be good to to bring it into the same realm as um, a DOP or a, a, a rigor or a you know a spark. You understand that it takes time to do these things, and if you're if the schedule extends or the work increases that then that requires yeah. more time more money that would that would yeah, definitely help everybody find a way to create that insight i think is huge yeah that's really both really really strong answers and uh, hopefully uh, industry are listening there which uh, leads us into our last two questions so they're the big heavy hitters now so the first one is the industry advice question which is what's one thing we can do as a step towards a more inclusive and diverse visual effects animation and games industry who wants to take that one? Who wants to kick us off? Um, I can go. I th- think I, I really, before anybody hires anyone, I think they should pause for just a moment and consider if they have really spread the the, the net as wide as they possibly could. Um, I think just by having that, that brief moment of reflection, did you just hire this person because it was recommended by yeah. someone that's sitting next to you? Or have you really looked to to all of the available talent out there yeah, that would be a good in with any biases that you've got and you know am i hiring this person because they're like me because that happens all the time doesn't it and then one of the reasons why we're access vfx exists in the first place is to you know encourage industry to widen that talent pool so i think that's a just take that moment i think is a great advice what about you chris what's a, a great piece of industry advice that you've got yeah obviously i i think it starts with that and and uh Making sure that we're 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 finding new talent and and cast casting the wide net like Caroline says, um, and then also I think uh, when we do when we do bring new people into our studios that we're we're nurturing them, and I think you know um, it's it's wonderful to to bring some diversity in into a space, um, but to make sure that we don't just tick the box that we hired somebody and then and then not give them the proper support and and ongoing um work required to to make them to to make their voice heard and to you know really try to listen more to to all of the 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 younger uh, generation of, of of talent coming into our industry and not get so used to the idea that we've been doing this forever and our way is the right way and all that and there's a lot that i know that that can and should be learned and and i i have to stop myself even from from being the loudest voice in the room often to make sure that i'm I'm giving up space to to bring their ideas to the table yeah i think your point around nurturing talent is a huge one because i think a lot of people think that diversity equity and inclusion is a numbers game so you hire for diversity and a lot of the time that happens at that junior level that entry level and a lot of that tends to be in, I did in the UK, like apprenticeship talent, which always has a fixed term contract at the end of it. So unless you're hiring those people at the end of the fixed term contract, you're injecting diversity into the business only to lose it 18 months later. But also to your point, you've got to continually develop those people because going back to what we were talking about earlier, Carolyn, you were talking about the war for talent right at the start of the podcast, you know, people will get snapped up if they're not happy and they're not supported and they're not nurtured and they don't get training opportunities and, and, and space to grow or they're just getting the whip cracked then i'm sure somebody will come along with a bigger checkbook so i think there's a lot of really good good and interesting advice in there for for industry 
So the final question, folks, is the big finish. Hope you've, you've done your preparation. We talked a lot about preparation on the podcast today. Is the nugget of advice for anyone trying to get into industry. So the reason I hope people listen to this podcast is to get advice and to apply it. So uh, Chris, you go first. What's your nugget of advice? A golden nugget for anybody trying to get in. What is it? Well, the thing I always tend to tell anybody asking me that's sort of young and trying to find their, their first gig in the industry is to take some time to research companies, uh, people, find find the, the, the company or type of company that you really want to work with. I mean, it's, it's easy enough to go, oh, cool, uh, you know, I've heard of the mill, I'll go knock on their door. But, you know, to, to take some time to look around and, and or figure out things that you like in the world and, and, and a, a project and figure out where it was produced and if there's a connection to uh, some facility where you are and and then you know using my own experience of happening to stumble into this thing with a a production company down the road from me where I grew up and not a place you'd expect to see it you know to really kind of use that as a way to begin your 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 journey and finding a possible place to go and then and then really at that point you know figure out who, who the people are that are there, how they got there and, and how you can connect to them. Uh, and a lot of times when you come hat in hand to a place that, that you respect and, and honestly walk in the door saying, I know everything about your company and everything you've produced, they're going to, they're going to welcome you and, and, and be open to your solicitation as, as somebody eager to jump in and, and do whatever it takes to start working there. Brilliant. So it's not flexing that curiosity early, that genuine interest in what you want to do. So it's not just, like you say, cap in hand, looking for work. It's show genuine interest in what the company, you know, and almost like we talk a lot about find the studio that you want to work for because there's so many studios do such a diverse range of work. I mean, you've only got to look at something like, you know, Love, Death and Robots on Netflix, Caroline, right? There's so many different takes on there you know and industry-wise everything from kind of real lovely little 2d animation studios through to all the cg real big shows so um yeah do your research work out what you want to do and then start tailoring it and as you say chris get in the books the digital ones or the, or the real ones anyway i'm going to stop rambling caroline what's your golden nugget um i mean it's, it's very very similar um it's basically read watch listen to as much as you can about every aspect of the industry not just the visual effects but how it ties into everything else learn about the people learn about the companies learn about the methodology um, and then target yourself at the entry-level job because although many uh, graduates have applied to be a visual effects supervisor there are not so many that are successful in doing that so I think that if you want to make a good first impression it's knowing um, where you can contribute to a company and knowing everything about that company and how they fit into the ecosystem. Excellent. So a lot of crossover there with your answer, which is brilliant, which is what I'd hoped with this, uh, this co this co uh, co chaired uh, conversation. So um, I'm going to close the vault now, unless you've got anything else to to say, guys. So I'm going to take the the raw iron doors. Uh, There we go. The, the the door is closed for another two weeks uh thank you so much caroline and chris both for being on the podcast and of course for setting up this what will be an amazing chapter of the uh, the access vfx family um before we go um a couple of things one is i always ask you to if there's anything you want to plug or anything you want to shout about from your respective studios but i guess the first question i'm going to ask is how can anyone listening get involved 
with Access VFX Europe, what, whether they're industry folk or aspiring talent trying to get into industry. What can they do? How, how do they do it? Go to the website, sign up, be a mentor, sign up to be a mentee. Also, if, if you're a if you're a, com- a company looking to get in, involved, then feel free to to reach out to us yeah. uh, here at Glassworks, and uh, we'll we'll get you get you integrated and, and put you to work, helping to spread the word and and do work across Europe and locally amazing, to wherever amazing. you're based. Yeah, I think uh, that's, that's perfect advice. So yeah, Caroline Garrett, Chris Kaiser, contact them on LinkedIn. If you want to drop me an email, I can forward it to the folks, which is simon at accessvfx.org. Drop me an email if you're, you're in industry and you'll be part of Access VFX Europe. It promises to be a pretty huge chapter. I don't know whether Chris and Caroline, you've got your work cut out for you, I think. I think it's going to be super popular as uh, Europe continues to grow. Chris, Caroline, thank you again. I'll leave, I mean, I, I always do it in the mop-up, but accessvfx.org forward slash mentors. Access VFX Europe has launched. It's out there in the world. Get involved. Thanks again, folks. Enjoy the rest of your day and uh, we'll be talking again soon, no doubt. Thank you. Thanks, Simon. Thanks, bye-bye. Well, there you have it. That was episode 24 of the Access VFX podcast. Access VFX Europe, it does have a certain ring to it, doesn't it? What amazing and exciting news. As mentioned, if you are a European studio and want to join the ranks, get in touch with me at simon at accessvfx.org. That's simon at accessvfx.org. Or get in touch with Chris and or Caroline on LinkedIn. If you want a mentor, you know what to do. Before you go, though, a couple of things. Please go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating if you fancy it, subscribe and leave us a review. And most importantly, as I've just said, do get involved with our Foundry and now Netflix-sponsored global e-mentoring program. So if you're in the UK, Europe, USA, Canada, Australia or New Zealand, you can sign up for free to get an industry mentor or be a mentor yourself to folks aspiring or just getting started in visual effects, animation or games. So go to accessvfx.org forward slash mentors and change someone's life. Thank you to Caroline and Chris for a great episode. Thanks to Tom Box for producing it and for the graphics. And of course, thanks to you for listening. We'll catch you on episode 25, where we will have yet again another excellent guest lined up to brave the Access VFX Vault. See you then. There we go. End of another Access VFX podcast. We really hope you enjoyed it. To find out more about what we discussed, our mentoring program and events we're at, then head over to our website at www.accessvfx.org and follow us on social media. Big thank you for listening and until next time, bye.